seated. Amen. Well, good morning, Coastal Church. Good to see you. Don't we have a great God to sing praises to? And uh, I tell you, I, got, I do have one question, though. Paul Anakin, uh, you've been on our worship team now, I don't know, eight or ten years, something like that? Something like that? How many, how many of the worship services have you been a part of where you're like, man, I would love to break out in just a few bars of Walk This Way? You know, right? So, <laughs> You probably thought that many times, and you're like, this morning was the chance. So, uh, speaking of walking this way, you know, we're going to look at Psalm 1. I'm making a transition this week. I did a series on, called Pure, and we're transitioning now to the Psalms. And um, actually, we're going to look at Psalm 1 this morning. So if you have a Bible, it's found almost right in the middle of your Bible. Turn If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. Uh, I encourage you to get that out and follow along. And if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. It's a great way to build your life, okay? And um, Psalm 1 is a a story about a journey through life and the path that we can choose to walk on. So uh, that's what we're going to kind of unpack. Before we uh, dive in, this weekend is Veterans Day weekend, and and, uh, we want to take an opportunity to just thank those of you in our congregation that are veterans. If you're a veteran of one of the services of the United States of America, would you stand? We want to thank you for serving our great country. Thank you very much. Anybody else? All right. We appreciate you guys. Do me a favor. uh, Remain standing for one second. We have any active duty, any active duty men or women in here. All right. Thank you guys for your service too. Okay. And uh, all right. You may be seated. I'm going to do something a little different before we jump into the the word this morning. I just want to pray for our country. Uh, Pastor Joey last summer did a great job as we were going through Romans uh, on Romans 13 about how as followers of Jesus Christ were to respond to the government that God has put over us. And one of the ways we respond is to pray for our leaders. So uh, we're going to take that and, and just ask God's blessing over a lot of the challenges that are facing us as a, as a, as a country, right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, uh, we, uh, we are going to be looking at a psalm this morning that reminds us of the need for wisdom. And uh, so as a church congregation this morning, uh, first of all, we want to thank you for the men and women that just stood, and, and we appreciate their service to this great country. And uh, Lord, we know they have made many, many personal sacrifices to, uh, to protect the freedoms that we enjoy, even the freedom this morning to, to gather corporately and worship you. And so thank you for the men and women that have given so generously of their lives towards that cause. And uh, God, we want to pray um, and ask for our... Uh, that you might give wisdom and guidance to the leadership of this country, God, the men and women that are giving leadership. We are facing a lot of unique challenges. Uh, they're certainly unique to my lifetime and, and probably unique to, to many generations. And uh, I just pray for our president, God. I pray uh, for our Congress. I pray for our legislative branch, God. They all uh, need wisdom from you. Um, and, and, Lord, we ask that they would be men and women that bow a knee to you and ask for wisdom. I, I pray for our new governor, God. Uh, of our great state. I pray that you give him wisdom as he leads our state and, of course, our local leaders who influence, impact many of the uh, the really day-to-day grassroots in our community, that they, too, would find wisdom from you. And, and Father, I pray for us as a country, uh, you know, God, I... The truth is we, most of us only kind of influence ourselves. You know, the impact of our lives is kind of around ourselves. I pray for this congregation as we look at your word this morning that would impact us, God. We would have a desire uh, to dive into your word, to lean heavily into your truth, bend our lives to your truth, knowing that when we, we are on the path of truth, God, we're on the path of life and we're on the path of what Jesus called the abundant life. And uh, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 1. We're going to do over the next, almost all the way into Christmas, do some psalms. And 
And my hope is, you know, in the middle of your Bible is the songbook. And it's a songbook that has been used for many, many thousands of years by Old Testament believers and New Testament followers of Christ. These are the songs and the prayers of life, okay? And uh, no matter where you are in life, I can almost guarantee there is a psalm that will fit you, kind of fit your circumstance and your situation and minister to you. In fact, there's enough of them that you, if you read a psalm a day, you'll, you, know, you can read through the psalms twice in a year. I would encourage you to do that. I try to make regular use of the psalms in my prayer life. Just you know, one a day, read it, think about it, meditate on it. And, uh, so, and, and so what I hope to do over the next few weeks is give you some genres of psalms. There's different genres and, and kind of their intent and their purpose. And Psalm 1 is kind of the introduction to this song book. And, and Psalm 1 is what's called a wisdom psalm. And we, I always say wisdom is taking knowledge and appropriately applying it. Does that make sense? So a lot of people have knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it appropriately. And so this kind of gives us an overview of how to take knowledge and apply it appropriately. And when I was thinking about wisdom, I, I can't think of an area of life where, where we need wisdom more than in parenting, right? And parenting's tough. And, and I often ask God for wisdom in parenting. And, and uh, actually, I, some of the wisdom that I use is from a, a, a scholar uh, that I look to, a guy by the name of Tim Hawkins. That's a joke. He's actually a comedian. And he's one of my favorite comedians. And uh, he gives us parents some great insight on wisdom and how to bring up our children. I want you to see this clip. Sometimes parents, we just fail at advice. I remember my mom when I was a kid. She used to give me good advice too late. <laughs> Think about it. Good advice too late. Like when I was a kid, I hit my head on the corner of the table. <laughs> Careful! Imagine kids not whining No screaming fits or squeals When they don't get the toy they want In their happy meals Imagine all the parents Burning down Chuck E. Cheese gave me this song. <laughs> Boys, they just make up games like they want to hurt themselves. They do. I'm like out in the backyard one time, my son comes out, hey dad, throw that brick at me and see if I can get out of the way. <laughs> great. Dave, it's called Dodge Brick. It's great. <laughs> Fling one right at my head and don't tell me when you throw it. I'll try to listen for the wind. Don't you judge me. Because it wasn't until that brick left my hand, I was thinking, this is probably not a good idea. Careful! 
So, you know, there's some good parenting tips, all right? But uh, this is a wisdom psalm, and it's where we take knowledge and we apply it, and I hope you can apply some of that to your parenting. Uh, I've been reading through 1 Kings, actually, and there's a great little story, and those of you who know your Old Testament will know this story. There's a great little story in 1 Kings where King Solomon, uh, in the middle of the night, gets a dream where God approaches him. Remember, and he gives Solomon basically one wish. It's like a little story out of Aladdin, you know? You rub the lamp, and and, uh, there's no wishing for more wishes, you know? You remember that from Aladdin. And, and Solomon gets one wish from God. And remember what he asked for from God? He says, God, I would love to have wisdom, right? Where we, we take knowledge and we apply it appropriately. And this psalm, the genre is, it's a wisdom psalm. And it's, and, and it's interesting here that it's the first song of the songbook. And I want to encourage you, as this is a broad brush sermon this morning, and I want to encourage you to figure out, man, which journey are you on? Because every one of you here is, uh, biblically speaking, Psalm 1 speaking, is on one journey or another. You're, you're either journeying with God or you're journeying without God. There's no in-between. And so I want you to see this, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with scoffers, but they delight in doing everything that the Lord wants. Day and night they think about his law. This person is like a tree that's planted by, along a riverbank and it bears fruit each in season without fail. Their leaves, no, they never wither and in all they do they prosper. But this is not true of the wicked. They're like worthless chaff that's scattered by the wind and, and they'll be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. I want, there's two simple points here this morning that I want to draw out of this wisdom psalm. The first thing is you're on one of two paths. And so here's what the journey without God looks like, according to the psalm. The journey without God looks like this. First of all, the journey without God is a subtle slide away from God. I want you to see this, okay? Um, mo- most people don't get up one morning and go, you know what, I don't need God in my life. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing, all right? For most of us, it's a subtle slide away from the things of God. I think we have an intuitive sense that there's a God or that we need him or created. I think all of humanity has that kind of intuition. But how is it that we end up sliding away from the things of God? Well, Psalm 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with scoffers. I want you to see kind of this digression, if you will, away from the things of God. It starts in your thinking. The psalmist says, you know, those that know God, they have joy, but those that don't, they they start out by by going away from the things of God in their thinking. They follow the advice of the wicked. And then it it digresses into behaving. And those, he said, the psalmist says, those who stand around with sinners. And then finally, it goes to belonging. You join in with people that are not following the things of God. I want to address the young people in here this this morning quickly, all right? Young people, you have to choose your friends incredibly carefully. Your friends have tremendous influence on you. Now let me address the old people for a minute, okay? Old people, you need to choose your friends incredibly carefully, okay? Because the people you, the worldview of the people that you hang with will have tremendous influence in your heart and in your lives. Because what happens is the people we hang with, they begin to influence the, you know, the way we dress, the language we use. You know, after time, you got to be up on the right stuff and down on the right stuff or down on the right kind of, you know, the certain kind of people. 
You began to have to laugh at certain jokes. You, you have to you know, listen to the right things, watch the right things, be cool on the right things, and critical of other things. Those people will, inf- any, people will influence your thinking. There's no question about it. And the digression here is it starts in your mind. And by the way, I've really been hammering on this over the last year, is pursuing the things of God starts in the mind. And that's what the psalmist says. It starts in your thinking. And then once you begin to think, eventually you begin to behave that way. You'll, you'll begin to behave what you're thinking. Your behavior is an outflow of what's going on inside of your heart and inside of your mind. And eventually you will belong, okay? And the influence of people around you has a lot to do with the music that you'll listen to. Or, you know, maybe you're, if you're hanging around in the dating relationship that you're in right now, if, are the people around you approving of that or are they unapproving of that? And if so, are they followers of Jesus Christ or are they not? Because the people you hang with moves from thinking to behaving to belonging. Maybe you're here this morning and your marriage is struggling. Right? There's two groups of people. There's, there's people that are going to say, man, you're, you're not happy in your marriage? Just ditch it. Don't worry about it. There's another group of people who say, you know, you know what? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Marriage is a sacred thing. We talked about that just two weeks ago when we preached on oneness and the sacredness of marriage and how God ordains that and God orchestrates that. And then there's a second group of people who say, hey, you know what? Work on it. Work through the challenges. Work through the difficulties. And a lot of that has to do with the kind of people that influence your mind and influence your thinking. At Coastal, you know, our process for growing in Christ is very intentional. We always say it's connect, grow, serve. Why is that? Because it's, it's kind of the opposite of what we just looked at. We want you to connect by being a part of corporate worship. We want to challenge your thinking with the preached word. We want to begin to influence your thoughts. But then we want you to be in a small group ministry where you're journeying through life with other people, where they're, you're rubbing shoulders. You take the sermon that was preached and you unpack it and you begin to think about it in a group of people that influence you. And then hopefully Hopefully that influences your behaving, which then influences your belonging, okay? People will have influence on you. And so the people that are not following God, it's a subtle shift that starts in the mind. And then, it, it, you know, then you, you go from thinking to behaving and ultimately to belonging. The journey without God, the second thing the psalm says, the journey without God is a destructive journey. Psalm 1-4 says, but this is not true. The wicked, they're like worthless chaff that's scattered by the wind, Anybody in here um, a wheat farmer? I didn't think so. Maybe one or two. All right. And in, in, in Bible times, okay, when you when you sifted when when you um, when you sifted through wheat, okay, what you would have is usually on the top of a hill, you would you would have what was called a threshing floor, okay. And this threshing floor was hard. It was hard ground, kind of like a concrete almost, and and uh, it had a very low wall. And you would put your grains or heads of wheat on this threshing floor, and then the farmer would take a a, a pitchfork and he would throw the heads of grain into the air, okay. And then the wind at the top of this hill would would take this grain and it would blow off. And around the heads of grain was a little husk almost, it was called chaff, and the wind uh, would blow the chaff away, it would just blow all over, you know, the countryside and blow away. And so the, the psalmist here is making recollection of that and saying, listen, a person that's not on the path to pursuing the things of God does not leave an eternal impact, all right? Your life is created for impact. It's created for more than just the here and now. It's created more for just than getting stuff. It's created for influence. It's created for impact, and it's created for eternity, 
But the, but the ones that don't know God, if you're here this morning and you're, you're on the path apart from God, you are living a life that's not going to make an eternal difference. You're like the chaff that's around the, the wheat that when it's thrown in the air, it just kind of blows away and doesn't make a difference. And Psalm 1-4 says, that is the journey without God. It's a destructive journey. Psalm 1-5 says this. It says, they, meaning the wicked man, they will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, if we, if we were going to talk real, and we're going to be honest this morning, and that's, I think that's part of why we gather corporately is to dig into God's word and look at the truth and ask some real questions about what's going on in our heart and in our lives. If we don't do that, um, you know, we're just not, this past week I, I went to my doctor, I had some blood drawn, you know, and he gave me some news about my blood work that I didn't like, you know, and it would have been easy to say, hey, why don't you just give me some good news, right? You know, no, you want the doctor to do what? Tell you the truth, right? And according to the word of God, it says if you're on a path apart from God, you're on a path of destruction. Church, there's going to come a day where the Bible is clear that every single one of us are going to stand before the God of the universe and we're going to give an account of our lives. And I'm going to come to this in a minute, but ultimately the account of our lives is what you did with the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And I hope that your story is more like I heard about a God a couple times, but I just kind of ignored it. You know, I grew up in America, so surely I heard something about Jesus, you know, but I just kind of ignored it. I hope that your story is, man, I dug into the story of Christ. I became a worshiper and a follower of Jesus Christ because we are going to give an account, an eternal account of our lives. And Psalm 1, which is a wisdom psalm, which is an introduction to the songbook, reminds us, listen, the rest of these psalms, as you unpack them, it's going to be asking the question, what journey are you on? Are you pursuing the things of God or are you pursuing your own way, things that don't last? Now, here's the second thing I want you to see out of this text, and that's the journey through life with God. The journey through life with God. The psalmist says, if you're journeying through life with God, your focus on this journey is going to be delighting in the Lord. This is going to be your focus, ready? Psalm 1-2. But they, meaning those who are pursuing God, they delight in doing everything the Lord wants. Day and night, they think about his law. So the first thing I want you to see, if you're focused on the things of God, you are going to have delight in the things of God. Now, you want to know what I think about when I hear the word delight? I think about two things. I think about either dessert or I think about vacation, right? I mean, delight has this kind of this real light feeling to it, right? My wife and I are about to celebrate next fall. We're going to celebrate our 20th anniversary. And, and so we've been planning for years now to, to do a real nice vacation for our 20th anniversary. And, and when you delight in something, like it doesn't seem like a burden, but, you know, for us to take the vacation that we want to take, you know, it requires some saving and it requires some planning. And, you know, we got to figure out what to do with the kids, you know, you got it just takes some planning, but it doesn't seem like a burden, right? Why? Because it's a delight, man. It's something we're looking forward to. And, and, that, and, and the Bible says when you're on the path with God, there's a delight in your heart. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, Pastor, I, um, if I'm honest, um, there's not a whole lot of delight in my heart right now, actually. I, uh, if, if that's where you are, let me challenge you with this. You're probably just doing religion, I'm not calling you to do religion. I'm calling for your heart to be engaged in worship with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, let me take this psalm and run to the New Testament for a minute, okay? 
The Bible's very, very clear that inside of us, we are all worshipers. In other words, our hearts, are gonna, our, hearts our minds are going to be engaged with something. You, you can be engaged with uh, in an uh, earthly relationship, somebody you're dating. You can, you can be engaged with money. You can be engaged with sports. You can be engaged with all kinds of stuff. That just, you, everything about you goes in that direction. The Bible says if you want to have real life, you want to have abundant life, you ha- your heart has to be engaged in worship with the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's not about being on the path of God and being good enough so that God honors you and loves you and all that stuff. It's about the fact that you're not good enough. You're born on the wrong path. And what you need to do is be placed on the right path by grace alone, through faith alone, and the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who bore the debt of your sin, a debt you could never pay and a debt that he didn't know. He paid for it on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised again to new life on what we call Easter Sunday, what I like to call Resurrection Sunday. And on Resurrection Sunday, he was raised up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ by grace through faith, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now deposited into your life to begin to work anew in your heart and make you new from the inside out. Isn't that cool? And so that's the message of the gospel. And so the psalmist here says, we delight in the Lord. So what happens is when Jesus comes in, he gives you a new heart. And as you continue on the path to pursuing the things of God, you, as you grow, begin more and more to delight in the things of God. And so if you're not here this morning and you're not delighting things of God, here's what you need. You don't need to go home and be good. You need to bow a knee and worship to Jesus Christ. If you've, been, if you've done that in the past, but it's kind of faded a little bit, here's what you need to do. You need to re-engage with the message of the gospel. You need to consider the high cost of your right standing before God, not to you, but to God himself, the person and work of Christ, okay? The second thing is, Psalm says, so we delight in the path of God. We delight, and the second thing is we meditate or we think about his law. Now, um, here's what I think that the, the word meditate sounds like this big church word, but here's what it means, ready? It means to think about over and over, to think about over and over. Now, let me, let me give you a little pushback uh, here this morning. Um, my hope here this morning is that this is not the only little tidbit of the word of God that you've gotten all week. All right. My hope here this morning is that there's been some moments throughout your week where you've opened God's word and you've meditated, you've thought about the word of God. If you remember how I started this sermon, what did I say? Remember I said, open your word. If, if you don't have a copy of God's word, take one with you. Why is that? Why do I keep saying that? Because if, if we're going to be on the path of God, we need regular reminders of the truth of God's word. Why do we need that? Because everything around us in the world around us is pulling us away from spiritual things and eternal things and the truth of God's word. And so we need to be regularly meditating or thinking about our calling or the truths of God's word. Church, I, I long to see a generation of people rise up in our culture and say, you know what, we're gonna take God's word seriously. We're going to bend our lives to God's word because we believe it's true. We believe it's the path of life. We believe it's the path of abundant life. The reason our culture is drowning in its own moral filth is because it's on the wrong path. It has no idea what God's word is teaching. And if the little little bit of life I have, I hope to have some influence on you that you'll open the word of God and read it and have it impact and influence your life. Hey, uh, there's a bumper sticker I've seen. You've probably seen it before. I've actually shared this before. That uh, The bumper sticker says, never, never shake a baby. Never, never, never. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker? 
Every, every time I see that bumper sticker, I'm like, you've got to be kidding, right? I mean, this person thought it important enough to go spend money on a bumper sticker to remind us how to treat a baby. Every time I see that bumper sticker, I'm like, where have we gone as a culture that we don't even have to know, how, we don't even know how to treat babies, right? So, somebody's got to tell us not to shake a baby. I got to tell you something, when I touch a baby that's not my own, that hadn't been my own, I'm shaking already, right? Like, I'm so nervous. I'm like, I don't want to drop this one. Now, it was different with my kids. When I was handing my kids, I was like, man, these are great. They're like a football, you know? I mean, these are fantastic. But, but where are we as a culture? It's like, someone's got to tell us, hey, it's not good to shake a baby. I'll tell you, we've gotten so off base from truth and morality. We don't even know the basics of life. And if we live in a culture that's got to be reminded how to treat a baby, then I can't even imagine the reminders we need about morality. Right? I can't even imagine. I, I can't even imagine the, the, the reminders we need about purity, right? Like we talked about last week. Talked about sexual purity, right? I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to pursue sexual purity if, if your life is all about you. Because that's an area of your life that you have to die to yourself, trust God's word to be true in a unique and special way, and pursue him. I can't even imagine how you know, we're going to pursue spiritual things in a culture that doesn't know we shouldn't shake babies, right? Unless we're in God's word. And so, church, I just want to encourage you, you know, to meditate. And then the, the psalmist says the, the pathway to God, walking with God, is a fruitful path. We delight in the word. We spend time adjusting to the, the thinking on the things of God. And, 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 and so this new thinking leads to behaving, which leads to belonging, which the psalmist says this is a fruitful path. It's a prosperous journey. First, Psalm 1-3 says this about followers of God. It says they're, they're like trees that are planted along the riverbank. Bearing fruit each season without fail, their, their leaves never, never wither, and all they do, they prosper. First of all, when you're, when, you're, when you're rooted in the Word of God and delighting in the things of God and delighting and meditating on His Word, your life has freedom to grow. Why? Because your, your roots go down into the riverbank, okay? When you're, when you're rooted in the things of God, when drought comes, and, and by the way, um, Regardless of what path you're on, the path without God or the path of God, there's going to come difficult times, all right? I'm not here to preach that everything's always great, and if you have, if you have God in your life, there's never going to be a season that's difficult. There's, there will be drought times. The difference is a person in this planet whose life is without God, when the drought comes, the, the roots of their life don't sink down, down enough to have nutrition to be filled in their heart and in their mind. But the person that knows God, they're, they're, they're like planted by the riverbank. And so that tree always has the nutrients to withstand the difficult times. Does that make sense? And so sink your roots down. And, and then the psalmist says, and so when you, you have the freedom to grow and in, in season, you'll bear fruit, okay? In the right season, you'll bear fruit. In season and out season. One of the things, I, I actually like this idea, okay? And one of the things that I, I'm learning as I get older is that there are seasons for things, all right? Um, in your own life, there's season for things. I, I remember we, my wife and I have three children, and, and um, uh, my youngest is now seven years old. And I remember, you know, it seemed like for like eight years, you know, eight or nine years, there were diapers in my house, right? And then we were just constantly changing diapers, and we finally got one out of diapers, there was another one in diapers. They just kept showing up in diapers, you know? And my thinking is, is probably within the next 10 years, diapers are going to start showing up for me, right? It just kind of goes full circle, you know? And, and, uh, 
It's an unfortunate way of life. But, you know, I remember when the diapers were finally gone. You know, that was like, yes, we're finally out of diapers because we were out of that season. And then eventually the crib was gone and the changing table was gone. And, you know, then we got rid, we started getting rid of the car seats. We're down to a booster seat. You know, it's just great. It's just so much easier to travel. And, and now I'm coming out the other end where there's no car seat. Instead, the, one of my kids is getting ready to put his hand out and say, hey, can I have the car keys? You know, and so like we're in the middle of the teen years and I'm sure that'll be a barrel of joy. And um, so... But there's just different seasons, right, in life. And um, I can't wait to, when my kids have to take care of me and I can repay it all. So um, those will be good days. But, um, you know, there's seasons for things. Same thing spiritually speaking, actually. Um, There's seasons for things. I remember one of my mentors said to me, he said, uh, he said, you have to, uh, whenever you say yes to something, I want you to process this for a minute. Whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So when you give your time to anything, you know, a job, a a relationship, children, whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And he said, you always have to consider what you're saying no to uh, as well as what you're saying yes to. So, so, you know, some of you maybe could take on a little more in your life because you're going to say no to a little TV viewing. Okay, that might be okay. But sometimes we say yes to things, even ministry things. And maybe we're saying no to a spouse or some children. And, and, and we have to be very cautious that, that there are seasons in life, you know, even the, the, the path of God, it bears fruit, but there's seasons for that, okay? And there's seasons for more or less ministry. There's, there's seasons for sprinting. I know uh, here in church life, there are seasons in church life that you just feel like you're sprinting, you know, putting in a ton of hours. And then there's seasons that you, you rest a little bit, right? And, and I know for some of you, maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're in the rest season. It's okay. There's a, actually one of the Ten Commandments is what I call the Sabbath principle. There's a place for, you know, resting. And the whole, the whole world doesn't always depend on me, okay? It ultimately depends on God. It doesn't depend on you, all right? So there's seasons for different things. And, and, uh, and so, you know, there's seasons for taking a break. There's seasons for pursuing hard. There's seasons for rest, all right? And so the tree that's planted by the river, all right, it takes the water from the river and it produces a fruit, right? And so here's what's interesting about fruit. My wife just got some apples recently from the store. These things are so juicy and they're just awesome, you know, and and what and inside of them there's water, isn't there? And that water was taken from the ground, went up through the root system, up through the trunk system, and eventually was reproduced, but in something different, something unique to that tree. The Bible says that those who follow God are planted by his riverbank and his word, meditating on his word, delighting in things of God, they'll produce fruit in season, but that fruit is going to be unique to you. Isn't that cool? Each of you, God has placed here on earth to do something to proclaim the name and fame of Jesus Christ, but it's unique to you. And so the picture here is if you're planted in God, you're planted in his word, you're planted in his local church, and you're moving where he's moving his life, your life will bear fruit in, in, in due season, and it's going to be unique to you. It's going to be unique to your time. and It's going to be unique to your culture. Isn't that cool? Each one of you following God is going to be a fruit producer. And then ultimately the psalmist says, and I was hesitant to say this because I didn't want to push it too far and and I didn't want to um, over promise, but it's what the text says. Ultimately you will prosper in all you do. That's what the psalmist says. The psalmist says uh, their leaves never wither and in all they do, they prosper. Okay. And so when you're, when you're on the journey with God, God prospers you. Now, I don't, I don't want to get into the health and wealth. It, means we, it doesn't mean we ever go through difficult times, but it does mean God is with you. God does want to bless you when you do things his way. Does that make sense? All right, that's what the psalmist says. 
And the final thing I want you to see out of the psalm, and I love this, is that when we journey with God, you're, you're on a guarded, a God, God is guarding your path, all right? God is on guard on your path. Does that make sense? He's protecting and he's leading. Psalm 1, 6 says, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. Man, I love that. Let me, let me pause and say that again. The Lord, if you're following the things of God, watches over the path of the godly. I, um, I have a eight pound dog. Um, he's a mix between a Yorkshire Terrier and a poodle. Okay. So he's a Yorkie poo. And, and whenever I take him out in public, I feel like I have to turn in my man card. Okay. Cause I just don't like having a little dog. And he's, so we got him cause he's a non-shedder and we have kids with a- uh, allergies and stuff. And so he's a non-shedder. And so my wife, if she doesn't groom him, he just keeps poofing out. Like he looks like a chia pet, you know, if you let him go too long. And so, uh, he's a great dog. He's great with kids. He's super friendly. There's only one time that he gets super nasty and it's around his food. He gets around his little dish of food and he just gets nasty and he'll growl and he gets a little nippy. You know, there's times where he's even bit me, you know, and it's like, man, I just got bit by a mosquito. Uh, something like that, you know, when you get bit by an eight pound dog and, and he just gets nasty. And so I tried to break him of this and I just couldn't seem to break him of it. And so uh, I took him to the vet one day and I was like, look, I'm trying to figure out how to break him. You know, we have kids, he gets around his food, he just kind of gets nasty. And the vet looks at me and he, like a psychologist and he's like, he has food anxieties. I'm like, what? Food anxiety? He's just mean, you know? I don't, what are you talking about? Food anxiety. He's like, yeah, he gets anxious around food. You know, I'm like, I'm like, it's dog food, for goodness sakes, you know? And, and what's really funny is uh, he gets real guarded, he gets clenched teeth, and, and, and I can literally now pick him up around his food and hold him next to my face, and he is growling, and through his clenched teeth, he'll lick me. It is the funniest thing. We always want to make a funniest home video and just send it off, you know? But, uh, but he gets nervous, he guards his food, and what's hilarious to me is while he's growling and guarding his food, it's like, dude... I don't want your dog food. I have a steak over here, okay? You're, you're welcome to have that. You know, there's nothing to guard. You know, some of you are, are on your own path right now. You're on the path apart from God. And it's a wearying path, if we're honest. Um, there's a great new song out on Caleb. I don't know the name of it, but the opening line says, Chasing after this world makes me tired. All right? See, some of you are on your own path, and so you're, you're like my little eight-pound dog. You're guarding stuff that doesn't matter. Like, you're, you're worried about guarding your reputation, and, and you're worried about guarding your finances. You know, you get up every day, and, you're, you know, and if the government raises taxes, you're like, you know, and, and the economy's not so good. Guard my stuff. And you really have so little control, you know, anyway. You know, and, you, and, you, and you're guarding, you know, you're, you're guarding the family so worried, like, you know, the kids are just outside of God's control somehow, and, and, and you're guarding your reputation, you're guarding all your stuff, you know, your, 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 your car is your treasure, and, and God forbid it ever get dinged up on the road, you know, and, and, and you're intense, and, and I want to encourage you, man, you're on the wrong path. Because if you get on the other path, the path of life, the path with God, the path of God says it's a guarded journey. It's a journey that God is guarding. He's looking after you. He, he's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of the kids. He's going to take care of getting you through life. He's going to provide all along the way. Right? Some of you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him. And guess what? He will make your path, what? Straight. Some of you know that, right? He's guarding the path. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His ways, right? And in that, everything else will be added unto you. When you're on that journey, God says, I'm taking care of you. The psalmist says, the Lord watches over the path of the godly. Why? Because it's a protected path. The God of the universe is watching. The God of the universe is blessing. The God of the universe is giving hope. The God of the universe is giving joy. The God of the universe is giving guidance. The God of the universe is giving friendship. I always say this. Walking with God is like walking in the shade, right? You know what I mean by that? Hot summer day, you're walking in the shade. He's shading us and protecting us as we go. In August 12, 1969, uh, there was a news article in San Francisco told the story of three young men who had died in, um, in Death Valley. Their car, apparently, their car had broken down in the middle of Death Valley, and so they set out to the last ranch house they had seen some 30 miles back. One of the bodies was found seven miles from the abandoned car heading back towards the ranch house. Young man had died there. Some 14 miles back, the second man died on this journey back to that ranch house in Death Valley. And some 17 miles back, the final young man collapsed and died. The deputy at the time said this. It says, you know what? It looks like they just went the wrong way. He said it would seem that they turned in the direction towards the ranch house that they had passed 30 miles back. What they didn't know was one mile the other way was a grove of willows with a spring. These three young men, 1969, had turned and gone the wrong way. You know, your life is on one of two roads. Every single one of you in this room is on one of two roads. You're on the road that leads to destruction, according to Psalm 1. It's a life without blessing. It's a life without joy. It's a life without the protection of the God of the universe. Or you're on the road to life and blessing and joy. And that's the road with God. In fact, in a couple weeks, we're going to look at the 23rd Psalm. It reminds us, the Lord is my shepherd, man. I shall not be in want. That's the journey with God. So let me end with this this morning by asking you one simple question. What path are you on? I mean, if we were to peel back all the layers and all the Sunday morning faces and all that stuff, what path are you really on? Are you on the path of life or the path of destruction? Because every single one of us in this room has taken a journey. And there's a journey with God, and there's a journey without God. Let's close with prayer. Let me do this this morning. Um, Nobody's looking around, and uh, I'm going to close with prayer. And uh, maybe you would just like for me to pray for you. Maybe you'd say, you know what, Pastor Sean, I'm on the wrong path this morning. As you were talking, the Word and the Holy Spirit were coupled together and kind of challenging me to uh, change, to repent, and get on the right path. If that's you and you would like for me to pray for you, just do me a favor and slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you in closing. Okay, I see that. Okay, anybody else? Okay? Anybody else? Okay? Okay. Let's close with prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, um, there's two paths that we're all on. 
We're either on the path to destruction or the path to life. I, I want to pray for those who slipped their hand up this morning. Maybe they're long-time believers and um, they've just kind of gone the wrong way in their thinking and their standing and their belonging, God. And they just they want to kind of reunite with you this morning. I pray, um, God, that they would change their behavior. They would delight in the Lord. They'd meditate in your word, God. Be thankful for the gospel message of Christ and, and find life and hope and blessing. God, I pray for those who lifted up their hand this morning, God. I pray that you would, by the work of your spirit, place them back on the path to life. And God, I pray for those of us who are on the path to life, God. It's not an easy path. We pray, God, that you would be near to us. You'd be our protection, God. There's, there's some things maybe even this week that are outside of our control, Lord, that we got to lean heavily into you. And I pray, Lord, as we trust you, God, that you would come through and we'd see your hand working around those who say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ and following hard after you. And I pray that as we continue on the path of life, that Jesus would be lifted up and Jesus would be glorified and we'd make an eternal difference. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, this-